Humor and Parkinson's Disease, talk number two. Today we're going to talk about Mr. Norman Cousins. I'm going to hope that most of you know him, but just on the chance that some of you haven't heard of him, let me talk a little bit about this unique human being. He was born, uh, I think, early in the century, 20th century, 1913 or something, was thought to have tuberculosis and wound up living in a sanitarium, but somehow he didn't get the message that he had tuberculosis and he became very athletic. I only got that on his biography and I don't know whether it makes part of what has been later in his life. Well, I just don't know. But the key thing for us who are dealing with chronic illness and Norman Cousins' contributions is that in the early 1960s or so, he developed a collagen disease, a connective tissue disease, later diagnosed as ankylosing spondylitis. Now, ankylosing spondylitis is a particularly aggressive form of an arthritic connective tissue disease that affects the spine. People who don't get the treatment they need early on wind up being permanently stooped over for the rest of their lives. I mean, the the, the spine becomes just like a ramrod. There's no flexibility in it. It is exquisitely painful. When he was diagnosed, he was told that the chances of recovery were 1 in 500. He didn't want to be one of the 499. He wanted to be an outlier. And so once the doctors explained that they didn't have a lot more they could do, they could give him steroids, which will definitely cut down the inflammation, but doesn't make a permanent change. But if you take steroids over a long period of time, they cause a number of changes that are pretty dangerous as well. And of course, there at that time, there was high-dose aspirin, and we'll probably give you ulcers. And so uh, there was not a good medical treatment. And he drew the conclusion that it's a terrible place. If you're, he decided that if you're going to be sick, the hospital is the worst place to be. They wake you up to give you a sleeping pill. They make noise out in the halls. The food isn't the best. It's just not a place to get well. He discussed it with his doctors, and he decided that he would go into a nice New York hotel. And he went in with a couple ideas. Number one, he felt laughter was the best medicine. Right out of Reader's Digest. Yes, laughter and humor, he thought, was a medicine. And he also loved vitamin C because... He had talked with Linus Pauling, and Linus Pauling couldn't be wrong. He vitamin C for everybody. Uh, footnote here. I'll talk about Linus Pauling, who I met and talked to at a later time. And that vitamin C thing, oofta. But anyway, so he was taking his vitamin C. And what did he do for laughter and humor? Well, remember, this was a day long before YouTube or anything like that. But what he did do was he had movies brought in. And he loved Marx Brothers, Three Stooges, and uh, You Bet Your Life, and a host of very funny television shows and movies. Something occurred that really caused him to take notice. He found that when he really laughed very hard, that he would sleep the next two hours free of pain. We now know that laughter releases endorphins. You know endorphins, small children without parents who live in the house all the time. 
No, the chemical substances released in our own brain that have the pain-relieving properties of all opioids. That was, again, a big deal because endorphins were just coming into the consciousness of the scientific community. He's decided that this, this is what he's going to keep on doing. So he took massive doses of vitamin C, made a point of laughing, and what he did, in essence, was change his mindset much as he had done when he was in the tuberculosis sanitarium, his mindset refused to accept he had TB. And in this illness, ankylosing spondylitis, his mindset made clear that he was not going to be one of the 499. And with his pursuit of humor and laughter and vitamin C, turns out the vitamin C had nothing to do with it, he got well. And he wrote a book called Anatomy of an Illness as Perceived by the Patient, big-time bestseller. I met Norman Cousins once and shook hands. I don't have a whole lot more to say that. I told him that I wrote a book on humor, and he was very happy and asked me to send it to him, which I did and never heard back, but that's okay. Now, a little later on in life, in another 10, 15 years, he had a heart attack, a serious heart attack. In the hospital, they did the treadmill test. They put him on the treadmill and started it going, and he really went in bad shape. Abnormal cardiac rhythms, couldn't walk well, was greatly in pain, very distressed, and they halted the test. And once again, he refused to accept the dictum of his doctors. And he said, I want to do an experiment. I want to get on that treadmill, but I want you to give me the controls so I can control the speed and the elevation of the treadmill. Turn, you know, turn off the bright lights, just cool it, calm it down. You can stay here, but let me do that. Being Norman Cousins, a famous guy with lots of money and a big writer, they let him do it. Here's what he found. When he could control the speed of the treadmill, he went further and further and further than he ever did the previous tests and showed no abnormalities on his EKG. Do you see what happened? He adopted the mindset that said, I am well, and as long as I'm given some control, I will remain well. And in fact, he lived for another 10 years after that and had a little problem with his heart. He did write a second book called The Healing Heart and thought, I often quipped that if he ever had a third illness, he'd have another bestseller because the guy who could write well and the message was good. But for me, where I'm talking with you about the mindset, what you see here is a man, very educated, very talented, who saw humor and also being in control of one's situations and not buying into statistics, who did abnormally well. And he was an outlier, both in terms of his connective tissue disease and his heart disease. We all stand to learn from him about this. So I didn't tell you any jokes this time, but later we'll talk about the fact that jokes and humor are not necessarily the same thing. Bye-bye.